This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hi, I'm Rob Smith. I'm the CEO and founder of The Fluid Project, a gender-free brand that's grounded in activism and community. And what I love about retail is... I love, I mean, I'm a, I'm like the one-on-one, like I'm not as much an online guy as I am. Like, I like seeing a customer. I like engaging with a customer and I love it when a customer's reaction to the product is like, wow, you've, I can't wait to wear this. And they walk out wearing it. We might be witnessing the birth of a totally new kind of retail concept and a sign that retail, 20 years from now, might look and feel completely different. It's the Fluid Project. That's Fluid, P-H-L-U-I-D. The P-H references balance. It's a unique apparel concept that reflects realities of identity within today's changing society. Retail with no gender attached to it. No gender or size, everyone shops in the same section. It's nothing like retail norms we know. A kind of choose your own retail adventure, and it is a direct result of what the customer brings to it. Coming up, the rare way the Fluid Project builds its teams and company cultures and why that matters so much. How partnerships with iconic brands have become possible for such a new retail player inventive and inspiring marketing and brand building concepts and a remarkable roadmap for what's next and a truly surprising revelation on the identity of this co-founder's father from new york city you're listening to retail is your business covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry Welcome, uh, Chris Hansen, COO of Ignition One. I'm here with Rebecca Fitz. Thank you. So, Rob, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, mm-hmm. You mentioned being an activism-based brand. Yep. Is, is that did I say that right? Is it, that I would say it's activism. It's it's a uh, at the core, it's more about community, but we also lean into activism. So it starts off with our mission statement, which is to challenge boundaries with humanity. So we challenge everything. We challenge, we question the why, you know, like how society has kind of like segmented people and limited us as humans. And we try to break through those barriers and allow people to be their authentic selves. So you mentioned activism challenges. Yeah. What's yeah, yeah. The challenge of, of running a brand in retail specifically yeah. it. it there must be challenges. Well, I think with fluid specifically, there's a lot of challenges. You know, when you're the first at something, it comes with a lot of uh, challenges. So it's kind of, it's, it's exciting because I love a good challenge. But, you know, when I realized, when I decided to create this brand and this concept and started to go find and fill up the store with product, I found there wasn't a lot. So we're very early on in this idea of, you know, creating a gender-free shopping space. So, and then I started creating our own product to fill the space and that was interesting because, you know, everything you had to fit on a male and a female, like uh, fit model. So it just, and it comes with like layers, like how do you size it? You know, I wanted to eliminate words like extra large. So someone didn't feel body shame going into a fitting room. So I tried to like break it all apart and, and just, and, you know, rip it apart and put it back together again in a way that um, is 
like inviting and accepting for young consumers. How do you do that? I mean, that's, yeah. that seems like a really tall task to go and it is. rip what's there apart and yeah, it's like you just and you go to like a trade show and there's the men's like side and the women's side and nothing is set up to do this. So um, and then to find brands that you know you, so but but it's been a an, like a just a process of of learning so much. I think that's the really great thing about having a retail store is you get to sit there and talk to a consumer every day and learn the mistakes quickly. So um, I love I love web sales. I love online sales. It's it's, it's beautiful just to see those orders come rolling in. Every, I get a little blip on my my iPhone with Shopify, and every time an order comes in, I just get giddy. <laughs> but but it's something else to sit across from a customer to to engage with them, see them kind of a fitting room, get real time information. The store I, really is a human experiment in many ways, uh, and you learn so much. You do. I, I I'd go backwards one even one step even further. Let's how did you how did you come up with the idea? And and it's so cool that it then you know gave itself in a physical way, but in retail. So yeah. I give I give you the the real story. Okay, <laughs> the real story. It's it's a pretty interesting one. So I think it's interesting. I uh, I've been in retail corporate jobs for over thirty years. I spent. 22 years at Macy's, I left. I was uh, executive vice president over um, buying uh, Macy's. I went to Victoria's Secret. I was the executive vice president over basically all non-intimate apparel. And then I went on to be the chief product officer for Levi's and Nike kids uh, apparel and accessories for, uh, globally. And then I went to my first Burning Man. And uh, if you don't know what Burning Man is, it's... I'm it's, loving it. It's, I know, it's but, a life-changing... And I got there and uh, and it's just, you know, I think your mind just kind of expands. You think about how 75,000 people take care of each other. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a nurturing space. And also this idea with uh, gender expression being a social construct and just the way that the, how people interact. And, you know, you don't use like, you don't identify as being gay or lesbian. And there's, you know, I watch like heteronormative guys come in in cargo shorts and like a, like a t-shirt and by by two, three days in, they're like, how do I get sparkly nail polish? Like, how do I get a pair of tights? Where, why do I get a tutu? And you just realize really quickly, you know, society can shift and, and adapt and people can really start to be their authentic selves. So I was warned, you know, people say after your first Burning Man, don't quit your job. I, but, I, <laughs> but I didn't take their advice. I came back and, and I looked at the, this like kind of adapting back into, you know, this corporate job. And I thought, I just, I can't do this anymore. I got to do something and what's funny is I was thinking about, okay, what companies do I look at and, and value and, and respect? And I was thinking about Warby Parker and I was thinking about Tom's and Patagonia. And they all had CEOs and founders. And so I don't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought maybe I would just you know, be a politician. I wasn't sure. So I threw out a backpack and just started traveling around the world. And my first, I wanted to learn about ancient cultures, civilizations, and religions. So I started in Central and then moved to South America and I did three weeks of ayahuasca. And about the fifth ceremony in, I said, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I wrote down in my journal that morning, consider opening a gender-free, non-binary shopping environment. And I wrote fluid in quotation marks. I was like, ah, oh, that's what I'm going to do. So I finished my trip in India, Nepal, and Tibet, studying Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, um, and Islam. And then I... Um, Finished the trip with my mom and went to our uh, the Ojibwe reservation up in uh, Wisconsin. My her grandma was born on the reservation, and uh, it was really interesting. Just as a, and they kind of closed the whole trip because I learned about 
two spirits, which are the third gender, and they were the most revered in indigenous tribes and often became shamans. So kind of like capped off my whole, and then, I don't know, I guess that was in, you know, June or July. And then August, July, August, I started looking for real estate. I found a space and I opened, um, seven months later. Wow. That is a story on manifestation and so yeah. many other things. I did not think that was going to be I'm just answer. trying to think of how many other brands can say they were birthed by Burning Man. I know. Ayahuasca. Yeah. Ayahuasca. I mean, it's just the the full, that's the big bang right there. Yeah. I, it's, it's so, it's so fun. It's so interesting because I almost feel like this is, I've been gifted this, you know, yeah. I've worked, you know, 30 years of retail to learn everything I've learned about a global business and wholesale and, you know, uh, vertical and, and everything I've learned digital that I, it's all of these experiences have been leading up to this moment to create this brand and working with LGBT, um, nonprofits and helping young kids be their authentic selves. It's all been like a culmination up to this point. And, and I don't think if I, even if I didn't want to do it, I didn't have a choice. This is what's meant to be for me right now. Well, that's amazing. But it's, it's, but it's a gift. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I'm so glad you said community because, um, and really, it's not really all about your sexual orientation. It's about all these other things and your your story yeah. about going around and learning about different religions and ending even your own history um, is really interesting. I've been to the store. It's it's super cool. I think I was at the very beginning. Uh -huh. um, a couple of questions there. So, you know, I'm in retail. I'm curious about retail. This was a really the, – the unique, unique concept. So I went out of curiosity. How how are people finding the store? Yeah, the, well, they're you know it's on a really busy street. So it as is. you know, it's You're on, on Broadway, Broadway. Yep. right just a few blocks away from Soho. Um, I, I think it's so initially like uh, most of our customers who walked in were just wandering down the street, and and I put you know it wasn't until I put the world's first gender free store in the window that sales lifted forty percent, like traffic lifted. People are like, "What's right, this?" Right. So and then you got some great press when it first opened oh, in Women's Wear Daily, but you know yeah. again, it's New York kind of Times, re like retail wonks are yeah. reading that and sure. then you know finding you, but you know other people obviously are finding you too. Yeah, and I think what's really great now is. You know, in the first, you know, year and a couple of months, we didn't spend any money in marketing. It was all about uh, creating a, you know, um, a community and a group of people that, you know, if you looked at me, I'm a, I'm a you know, a white cisgender gay guy in my 50s. That really isn't the, the person, the gender fluid, <laughs> gender nonconforming community would pick to be the representative. But um, but I do have the experience and and I wanted to earn trust. I didn't want the community to think that I was capitalizing on a movement or a group of people. Um, so it just took one-on-one -on -one interactions and time to really build a relationship with the community. And I think now we've got a really solid um, relationship and understanding and trust. And that trust takes time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I found interesting about the store, and it kind of is 101, but at the same time, I think you guys have taken it to the next level, although I don't know, you know, everything that goes on when I first went in, there was certainly product in the front and you hadn't had any of yours yet, fluid project itself. Um, but then there really was a big space for, you know, community yep. for building things that I don't want to make it down to like do it yourself, but that kind of environment to, to listening to someone, um, and obviously, it's a big part of the retail landscape that everybody's talking about. What is the experience? What is the experience? Sure. Um, uh, tell us a little more about about yeah. the experience. Because I think I went in at like high noon on a Tuesday, so it wasn't probably like <laughs> off yeah. the charts, but it, it was still fascinating. 
Well, I think there's like there's those layers and layers when you peel it back. So, uh, you know, if, when you go in the space, there's two thirds of the floors is uh, dedicated to product. And then the back third is a coffee shop and bleachers. And that was created that way because the experience is connection, human connection. And the idea that especially with young people who feel isolated and especially this community, specifically transgender, gender nonconforming, young gender queer people, there's not a lot of spaces that are safe in the city. You know, though we feel like we live in a super liberal city, it's just not super safe. But so I created this like non-transactional space. You could come in and just chill out and hang out. But we do about three or four events um, a week. And each month is a different theme. You know, this month we're in uh, gay pride. Next month is music uh, month. The next month is my body and soul. So then we curate uh, panels, discussions, workshops. And so, you know, three or four nights a week, there's an event going on. And there's, it's just in, in the lower level, I took it a step further and created, a, took a conference room. And at night, it's a free space for anyone who wants to have a meeting as long as their intentions are good. And I didn't. just, mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah. two nights ago, I was like overhearing some people. I call it the resistance room, you know, <laughs> and uh, from Star Wars, like the resistance meets. And, and they were talking about, you know, politics and they're talking about, you know, gerrymandering and talking about like, I was like, I just stopped and I just said, I, I, sorry, eavesdropping, but this is exactly why I created this That's space. Amazing. And it's, amazing. it's so it's, so it's, you know, the, the give back piece of art is, is the events and the community space and the, and just a safe space in the city. What has surprised you about this? Like, that seems like a surprise that this is what you wanted and it's actually yeah. happening. What has surprised you about So the surprises are, you know, so creating the space for this young group of people I mentioned, which is uh, this, you know, the gender nonconforming, transgender, queer. But, uh, you know, what I found is that I kind of backed in, like I created a business and then backed in as I'm trying to pitch for investors. Like I'm kind of going in, I'm like, wow, this actually makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, so, you know, this whole idea, this generation, Generation Z, which is really about purpose-driven companies, you know, you know that. I mean, they they really want a company to stand with conviction. And, you know, a lot of big established companies are trying to figure out how to back in and not lose customers. I can only gain customers. That's why we're an activist brand. The more we lean in, our best-selling graphics are we're all immigrants um be kind is a really good so gender is a social construct is another really good seller so we try to tackle issues um but done in a positive way but i think the best is that a third of our customer base is i would say hetero you know couples who walk in and just like the way their faces light up and they realize they can shop in the racks together mm-hmm. and they just mm-hmm. and they just they're just it's so nice and they're just like wow this is such a great place so like the, the surprise is really how how many people like support this brand and think it should exist, and it's not just young people. As you're talking to investors, are they starting to understand that they're because you mentioned it? Like it's are you, are you you have to essentially capitalize on something that's happening, and you don't want to you know lose trust in doing that. I'm wondering if the investor community actually sees this as jumping on a trend as opposed to creating something that's sustainable and 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 actually yeah. connects with uh, a different generation I, I think it's it's you know it's interesting if I talk to a venture capital firm you know I find the young the young people who are bringing the ideas to the leadership team really get it and usually it's and and no offense to anyone listening but it's when it gets to like some old white straight guy and it gets to him who's often making no offense, no offense yeah. <laughs> It's usually who's making the final decision and they don't get it or they want more data. They want, you know, more. And so I self-funded the business myself because I, I, you know, started to throw it out there and people just didn't get it. 
I said, all right, I'm going to prove, prove that this is a real thing. And, um, and, and now enough data to start to get out there and start to try to get some serious investors. And, and on the timely thing, you know, I, I look around, I'm obviously looking at retail and lots of things attached to it. Um, I was having a conversation with the, the women from the wing and, you know, also, you know, is that, is it timely or is it, is it just time, you know? And I think those two things kind of just converge yeah. that yes, women would like their own, you know, workspace and, sure. you know, it's also a community that's almost got a Soho house feel. Um, but did, you know, kind of chicken and an egg. And I think it was really, you know, again, almost like this, this is the time that it should be happening. Correct. Yeah. I love the, I love what they're doing at the wing. I love the idea that women are supporting women right. you know, look at, you know, where, um, venture capital money's going, it's not going to women. It's not going to right. And it, it's, it's, it's fundraising. It's quite hard. As it a is hard. Woman. Even, I mean, I did, I saw a, a study that, um, when women are, are in a pitch and pitching for, for, uh, with investors, the questions are, you know, more positive to men and more challenging to women. It's just, you know, even by women, right. I think it's just really interesting. But I do think that this is this is a time when retail is, you know, people like retail's dead, you know, retail's over. And it's it's actually these moments when you have this this dearth and of darkness and like these old these old things are dying, like um like other traditional things in this country are are dying off. It gives a space for newness to come through. And I think I'm thrilled because Amazon did disrupt, you know, the entire um, retail marketplace. But then, you know, is that that Amazon's doing great and they should exist. But now, so brands like Fluid can come in now and say, hey, listen, there's no way Amazon can do this. You know, every decision within Amazon most is a binary decision of male and female. The first thing you do, you walk into a store and a website is make a binary decision, male or female, that the Fluid Project is the first and, and largest place to uh, shop without the binary limitations. So talk to me. You mentioned this before, and I'm, I want to sort of connect the Except dots. Like on it, betting, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's there's this idea of creating community and the interaction that you have within the store, and then you also mentioned getting that notification from Shop Shopify. Sure, yeah. It's like it's cute, you know, yeah. it's like they're both sort of like their own crack, right? They are. Yeah. So how do you <laughs> how do you connect those two things? Because one is very much like happening somewhere else in the ether. Yep. And one of them is really personal yep in in store shaking hands looking people in the eye like how are you connecting those dots and is it hard to for a brand like yours well it's interesting i mean i'm at a i'm at an interesting intersection right now because we just relaunched our web platform and uh, we moved from squarespace to shopify and i think we relaunched on june 1st and going up into june june 1st we were seven percent of our sales were e-commerce and now, um, the, within the first three weeks of the month, the online sales are doing more than the store. So it's Damn. become now, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, do you think that's because you switched from Squarespace? A hundred percent. But also we got a different user experience, yeah. you know, gave it to, um, a, a, somebody who's a master in this, this area, um, gave him a small piece of equity and, um, the, the user experience. We're not getting any more. We still have 15,000 people visiting our website. 
a week, but we're just converting them right now, which is which is fantastic. And with only one physical retail location, I would think, you know, if I lived in Wisconsin, but I need this product, yeah. you know, then I'm I'm going on there For and sure. I'm getting it. And now it's and now it's and now it, it, if I get started to spend time on awareness, right? Because there's still, I mean, I mean, Instagram. We just jumped from thirty-five thousand followers last week to seventy-five today. In like four days, we doubled our size. So there's something happening right now right. that it's hard for me to get my head around. So, so, so yeah. There's e-commerce and there's a store. I'm always going to like the store better, you know, because I like the human interaction. I like the 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 community piece of it. Um, but my job now is to replicate that experience on the website. So no matter where you are, you can watch the panel discussions. You can be a part of all the conversations happening. On this dichotomy between the Shopify buzzing off, but also the, the community and the store, um, are are you a B Corp or are you your traditional? I'm, I'm an LLC. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And by the way, it's interesting because Warby went from starting as a B Corp because we have a do good initiative uh-huh. and you know we obviously give um, glasses and vision services back to changing and it was a real you know conversation to C Corp now. Yes, yeah. um, you know to all the workers saying you know this doesn't mean we're not still doing sure. good, but you know it's also about doing business and so to kind of rectify those two things, um, I don't think it's always easy within either the, the founder and and also for all the people who are involved in it. So it's really, really interesting. Thank you. How do you connect? We mentioned the the folks in Wisconsin, right? Yep. So, you know, you have a physical store in New York City. Yep. You have a wide country out there that um, needs to connect. And yep. how, how what's the plan for doing that? And is social the main way of doing it right now? And is it going to expand yeah. from there? Or? Yeah, I mean, social is the main way of connecting, I think, our you know, seeing the models we use, the stories about the models. So it's a big part of, you know, IGTV. We're going to create a, a YouTube um, a YouTube channel and start to create original content for that this month, which will air in the fall. Um, I think um, for me, I just, I just want to create more and more video content, more video, more video, create stories of, you know, the people who are in our community and share that um, – that's my goal. So, you know, that's part of raising money is, is just to start putting the money into all this video content. It's, it's surprisingly expensive creating video content. The content creation is really expensive <laughs> to do is. it well, I to do it well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can put a lot out there and, and I think doing it well and, and investing in it. Um, do you, do you think that's the plan is the plan to actually take it from retail and then expand into content or content driving, like as a marketing well, well vehicle. content is a marketing vehicle okay yeah for sure no it's it's i mean the way we pay our bills is sell you know clothing and accessories and and that type of thing so um my my focus for the next 12 months is to you know the store is doing really well the store will do about a million dollars i think it could probably do a million and a half um i think that the website that is where my focus is and then letting when someone experiences the store the same feeling and sensation they get is when they visit the website so in my perfect world somebody goes into visit fluids website and they spend an hour on the website and they're not even there to shop they're just just to like you know i see original content and and meet humans and hear their stories and then maybe they want to buy something but for me it's more about the um, engaging in a community that is isolated in many cases it's so interesting. Again, there's a little bit of a dichotomy there. I don't think many retailers are measuring this, and you're not on the hot seat for it, but um, on 
doing all this community engagement on whatever it is, and not just you. You know, Everlane has bleachers in the front of their store. I don't see them necessarily use them a lot, but I'm sure that they do. Um, And then, you know, is the intent that then it's going to converse into an actual buy, or is it really just there and and then people might buy? Yeah, I think for me, it's it's all about brand building, and for me, fluid represents community. It represents. compassion, empathy, authenticity, and all of these things that we do don't go into selling uh, more clothing. It goes into building a brand and a brand that resonates with not just young people, but all people. And I think that's, 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 my, that's how I consider it. That's how I look at it. Up next, inventive and inspiring marketing and brand building concepts and a remarkable roadmap for what's next. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes wherever the best podcasts are found. So, Rob, you're building this authentic brand um, and so curious on how you're building it really from the inside out and, you know, everything from who's working in the store to all the way up to you. And obviously there's um, lots of talk um, in the retail world about who's working in that store and what the value, and it's really going through a real evolution right now. Yep. Um, thanks, Rebecca, for asking that. I, you know, probably the the thing I love best about Fluid is um, is the community we serve, but also the people on the team. And anyone who walks into the space and, and tells me about it, they're like, first of all, everyone is so nice. They just talk about how nice the people are. And we really have this like really inclusive team of representing all facets of the community. And it's, um, it's really cool to see the, how they show up for work, you know, you know, men wearing dresses, women wearing, you know, masculine clothes and everyone just, but it's always got a twist. And like, how would you think about that? You know, and it's just so much fun. And they're like, they wear roller skates and it's just, it's, you know, what I do is, and when I hire the team of Fluid, I don't hire necessarily based on their experience. Um, I hire them based on their attitude and their personality. And then, you know, I call them unicorns. Like, they're all little unicorns. <laughs> and what, what a great name, yeah, too, by the way. They're unicorns. They're all so special and unique. And, you know, uh, I don't have to always teach them about sensitivity training, about pronouns, because it just comes natural to them. This is how the life they they lead. So um, it's really special. I think we have about 20 members on the team. I just hire more close to 25 and only three are full time. Everyone else is just wants to be a part of it. And so we just try to find space for everyone, um, interns and, and, and just it's it's and I just the, the way people get along and the energy they bring. It really makes a place special. I was thinking that that might be an actual challenge in hiring, but now that you're saying it, it might actually be an opportunity. Like people are coming to you as opposed to if you were any other retail brand, like I have to go out and go through the hordes of people who could possibly work here, but people are coming to you wanting to. Every day I read Info at the Fluid Project emails. I get up and I start my day after meditation and and I kind of get on there and I take a look at it and it's just, you know, to see like how many people want to be a part of this are reaching out. I get 20, 30, 40 people a day that want to be models or represent the brand somehow or work for the brand. And, you know, they want to be, it's just, it's really quite, um, I don't know, it's, it's overwhelming to see these, this, this people finally see a brand that reflects them and they want to be a part of it in some way. 
And it's hard thing saying no to so many people like that we don't have enough play, jobs for them. Is there a fluid project employee handbook? Like I, I'm just curious. To <laughs> there see is, that there is. Bit. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's uh, it's kind of like a roller standard. skates. Okay. Yeah, but... <laughs> like you know, we try to like say no nipples, but I don't know. I always lose on that one. There's a lot more nipples than than I think should be appropriate. But you know, it's uh, it's hard to say you're all about self expression and then you know limit right. people. So um. It's just funny. It's but you know, don't smoke weed. You know, that's that at first was really hard, but I think we got our head around that. It's you know, it's a young generation, and you know, they the drugs are not cool um, during the day, but um, what do they do at night? Is whatever they want to do. I, I will say that this idea that this generation is irresponsible or something—it's completely uh, not what my experience is. My experience is that they're very responsible. They care deeply about this this project themselves and. And they throw themselves into it. Really, it's impressive. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's almost a misinterpretation of the generation that they're that they don't care or they're yeah. not good workers. It's they they work differently and think differently than yes. definitely my generation. Um, and I'm wondering how that carries through to how you market to folks, how you speak to them yeah. in, 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 in the store, how you drive sales. Does it, does it carry through? Do it you does. have to change the message a little bit for generationally? I mean, generationally, um, I think this young generation, they care so much about social causes and, um, they're happy to be a part of fluid. I'm trying to think about, um, any shifts that I've had. I, I know I just, they think that millennials gave, uh, young people are really bad name. You know, I think that the millennials like kind of like, but it's, I think when I look at Gen Zers that they're, they're different than millennials. They're less, the young millennials are similar to Gen Z. Um, but what's interesting is they just, I think what's easy for me is, is to be flexible with their careers. They don't want just one job or one career. Right. They it like doing several things. Like right. they're fluid in their, in their lives and their careers. So that's why I have so many part-time workers is they, they want to do fluid plus they want to do something else. And one of the things I always say when somebody comes on the team is I want them to bring that passion with them. So if somebody comes in, I'm like, so what do you really like? You're not coming here to sell. Like, what is your dream? And they'll tell me they're an artist or they're a musician. I said, bring that to fluid. What's your, what, well, how can you bring that? Because you're clearly going to, you want to be an actor and a dancer and, and, and all of these things, but how do you bring that to the space as well? So I always tell everyone to bring their plus one, whatever their thing is, bring it to the space and tell us how we can help celebrate that. Yeah, it is so interesting because I think on a, the generational note, you know, they have a zigzaggy line and yep. they, they do. They have side hustles that aren't really side hustles. It's just naturally part of who they're going to be, you know, in, in this world. Um, you're really giving the, the retail. I'm going to go back to the, the dirty saying, but you're giving the retail associate a whole new uh, a way to be. I think it used to be, God, I need a a side job, I'm going to get paid minimum yep. wage, it's certainly not going to pay all of my bills. And then I'll go out and do what I'm really passionate about. And so that seems, you know, like a huge, huge shift in uh, thinking. And there are certainly a lot of legacy retailers where that's still happening. Yep. You, you yep. and I both have probably worked at some of them. So um, it's, it's really interesting. It is interesting. There, there, um, I think the thing that I've learned that I have to do is a, a, like adjust my schedule and my um and my what are the way you know my expectations adjusted to them right um but also know that they, i can give them enough space that they'll do their job and you know still there but um 
you know, it's hard when you're when you're in the space every single day and you turn to the person you want the answer and the person's not there you're like oh that's right there they're not here on these days and you know well, it's and that's interesting yeah. is is it a traditional is there a traditional segment to it which is you know one of the conversations in retail is also how much there's a hundred percent turnover in the retail associate yep. and are you having a better you know a better or a less increase in turnover i, I think um we we have still have turnover, mm-hmm. but I don't think turnover is a bad thing. I, I think that you know the way I look at it is when someone comes in and they work a fluid and they leave and they leave for all different reasons. You right. know, um, sometimes you know they just they just gave as much as they can and then they're going to go someplace else or back to school or all these different things. So when you leave fluid, you're part of the fluid family, and and no one is not a part of the family. So our family just gets bigger, and I think about every person that worked for fluid that's not working there now is an advocate for the brand because of how, how we take care of people. So, um, I think there's, I don't think, can't think of anyone who's left that wouldn't be an advocate for the brand. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So thinking about the names, you have fluid, which is, you know, doesn't have definition or boundaries necessarily as a definition, but also has action to it. And then you have the word project. Yep. So is this a project? Is there, is it ongoing? Is there, I think a natural like, conclusion to the project or yeah i think um yeah you understand fluid and thank you for doing that and the one thing i like to explain why ph is at the front of it is because ph is balance and the idea you can have fluidity and then that balance between male and female or whatever else the balance is but so it's fluidity and balance together and project because i don't like the word concept because it's not a concept that's real um I like the word project because it's a group of people working together to make something better. And right now it's about gender expression, gender identity. You know, in 10 years, it could be something completely different if this becomes normalized, you know, and, and people just accept it. Uh, but right now, this is the project we're working on. But, you know, I'd like to think that 10 years from now, we could be working on a different project and something else will, whatever the, the next challenge is. Do you think things are changing? I, I just sense it. I have three young kids and I sense it. I live... In New York. Yeah. So I'm I'm in a bubble. Yep. But my kids, it's definitely changing for them in terms of their understanding of or or, or n- not needing to define things as simply as my generation or folks my age. I think things are changing a lot. I think some of the most awoke adults I know are the ones who have 12-year-old kids, you know. Or ten-year-old kids who are coming home and teaching. I have both. Like, you have both. <laughs> so you know, you know a lot more than some of my peers who are, let's say, you know, gay men in their fifties who you know don't understand, like because you don't have kids teaching you. So, so it's really interesting for me is how how parents are like, yeah, I totally get this. So, what I think is really interesting what's happening the, the shift now. Um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, our whole as a gay, uh, as the queer community is like kind of the umbrella for all queerness. We were talking about who you got to sleep with, you know, who you were, who you're going to bed with. Could you have a legitimate relationship, you know? And then, so it was all about the, the G and the L in the, in the GL LGBTQIA community. And now in large part, though, it's still a ways to go in this country. Um, you know, you can marry who you want to marry. You can sleep who you want to sleep with. You can still, unfortunately, more than half the states lose your job or get kicked out of housing without a, you're not a protected class as a member of the, the queer community. But that said, you know, it is normalized for a large part. So, you know, this young generation now looks at lesbian and gay and says, why you got to label me? You know, why you got to, why you got to do that to me? And now the whole shift has gone from 
not who you want to go to bed with, but who do you want to go to bed as. It's about your gender identity. So it used to be about sexual orientation. Now it's about gender identity. And that's what I find really fascinating. And now, now young people, older people, and now there's a new language that didn't exist 10 years ago, you know, being gender fluid, not binary, gender expansive, pansexual. It's a whole different language that was created by young people and adopted by young people. And it's, um, I think it's the most, one of the most fascinating times of my life. So every business has challenges. Uh, being, you know, the, the, the audience you're going after, you know, what you're trying to accomplish probably create some additional challenges, whether it's with collaborations, um, potentially partners you want to work with. Has that been a challenge or is it something that we've gotten past already? I think, um, you know, I like to think about who we do business with and we always say we want brands to be fluid ready before we do business with them. So we tend to lean more towards minority owned, you know, people of color, female, you know, try to lean into more businesses that are owned by um, minority groups. So do you actually say f- uh, fluid ready? I do is say that, fluid that's ready. That's great. I, when someone comes in and they say, like, you know, they like to maybe to buy our product, the first thing I do is pull up their Instagram and I say, you can't just have skinny, pretty white people in your ads. You know, it's <laughs> got to be more diverse in, you know, gender and race and body size. And um, so then I also ask if they have any give back component. If they, they don't answer the both, I say, okay, here's your, here's your assignment, you know, go be more inclusive in who you're, who you're speaking to with your models and then consider giving more back to the community. That's, that said, we're happy, happy to work with brands to help them get there. Um, I've started speaking to um, C-suites in the future of gender and educating the executive teams about the future of gender, which is really, which is really fun. But I, you know, I, I thought that, um, I think because I'm the owner of my own company. I get to choose who I do business with, which is a really great thing to do because I don't have these these old relationships, you know, where you got to deal with these. So now it's starting fresh. I found that by being overtly activist, queer, you know, um, that I find that a lot of brands are lining up to do collaborations with us because of our our forwardness. And maybe they can't do it themselves in their own space, but they can do it with us. And so, you know, just this month, we have a collaboration with Fila, Converse, uh, Champion, Happy Socks, Levi's, and uh, Tomboy X, and one more brand I can't think of. But we've got all of these brands working with us to create gender-free capsules, and it's just going to become more and more um, prevalent. And it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. So I haven't found anyone to say, you know. You're just not right for us. I'm sure if I if I looked hard mm-hmm. enough, but I don't have time for that. Yeah, just going back to the point on on the younger generation, the the Gen Zs, those are the brands that my kids associate with. So yeah. there is almost this this collab where you're helping to continue that change. Yes. By working with those brands that they so identify with. Correct. The fact that Champion is back as a brand. Yeah. When I had, I don't know, a dozen Champion sweatshirts back in the day, but then my kids going and saying like, oh, I want Champion or Fila. Again, sure. Exactly. Brand. Yes. Um, I go, wow, this is great. And they connect with it. And it's great that you guys are, are working with them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just fun. Like, We've got a we've got a disruptor just for fluid with like Rambo around it and a pride flag on it. I sold um I think I sold eighty pieces in the last ten days of this one sneaker. So it's just it's it's really getting behind and and it's I mean it's also it's gay it's gay Pride Month you know so it's also 
we're a hot commodity this <laughs> month. We'll see how we are next month until next June. But for right now, people are, people do want to work with us. You know, every time I go into a design office and I look at like what people are seeing is the big stories. Gender neutral is always one of the top four. And this idea, you know, just statistically, 60% of young people shop across gender lines that they don't get caught up in this like male or female section. It's, it's this, this young generation, Gen Z is, I think over 50% of them don't identify as strictly heterosexual or straight that there there's, so it's almost like everyone's becoming queer, <laughs> like in this young generation, I think. And I think when you start to understand that, uh, Fluid just is a great partner to work with. Um, you talked a lot about um, creating media and that that was kind of the next trajectory. Would love to hear more about your marketing efforts as they encompass that and, and anything else you're doing. Yeah, I think it's um, – well, listen, I, I, I'll be honest to say that it's – I'm, I'm also the head of marketing. I'm the head of everything right now. So, you know, we're actively – I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah. It's like when I say we, I mean me and myself are looking for um, – and some partners to come on to help run marketing and, and to kind of get the brand really crisp and clean and, and, uh, and, I, and pretty close to locking in someone for that. Um, but I think marketing-wise, it's just about creating original content. I keep telling my team, just use your phone. Just yeah. take your phone, grittier, and it doesn't have to be super polished. We talk about the price of polished video. Just get your phone out. Like I look at these young kids, and they've got 150,000 followers. They're creating content for themselves all the time, and I assure you, they only have an iPhone and they figure it out. So just, just content, content, content. Um, my idea of marketing is just using our, our platform, Instagram and IGTV and YouTube and just creating content nonstop. Um, that's my idea of marketing. And that's just creating something that's original and always, always changing. And can you, uh, you've mentioned a YouTube channel may be mm -hmm. coming. Um, can you give us an example of kind of what you would be looking for? And you've mentioned how unique um, some of your brand ambassadors yeah. are and your your sales associates. And I imagine it's a, a, a wide spectrum, but. <laughs> it, it's going to be about gender identity. It's okay. going to be about human stories. And it's going to be kind of a way for customers or just, you know, people who want to learn more about Fluid to learn about us through the, the people that um, – are part of our community. So it's just, um, it's not about selling clothes. It's about uh, giving stories and narratives to people who who are part of the fluid um, community and letting people know that they're not alone. And that's, that's, that's how I want to market. All right. And I imagine it's interesting. Was, uh, my niece came out as binary and the way it came out was my, I was visiting my mom who's in her seventies. And she said, um, you know, I just want you to know before Madison gets here, she's binary. And honestly, I live in New York city. Didn't know what it meant. Was we made my binary, mom, binary, just in how she wants to be referred to. And, you know, and non-binary, so, non-binary. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. And, yeah uh, you're binary. I'm a heterosexual. <laughs> like, what? We, we started Googling it and it made my mom very nervous. <laughs> non-binary. Yeah, sorry. See, okay. wow, I'm, I need to be educated. Um, and so I think probably, uh, you know, I mean, it's very interesting. So you could go on, you can watch it for people's stories. You yeah. can be educated by it. One of, one of the things I really want to do, I haven't. And I'm probably letting out too fast. I haven't figured out where to do it or how to do it, but I want to do it in mainstream marketing. And I want to find a, a channel or partner that I can start to do gender reveal parties. Mm -hmm. And my idea is, you know, right now with Instagram and it's like, it's a big thing when millennials are having kids and they have a, a gender reveal party and they pop the blue pop balloon or the pink one. 
What's so effed up about that is that your gender is how you identify. You know, it's, it's, it's actually a sex reveal party. If you understand through prenatal testing that you're having a sex assigned at birth, female or male, it's called a sex reveal party. But no one likes the word sex because that sounds dirty. So, um, so instead, they call it a gender reveal party. The reality is I'd like to have a gender reveal party for young adults that they can come. They can, you know, we'll take care of them. We'll dress them. And then they go upstairs and all their friends and family are there and they get to reveal their, their gender, That's which could amazing. be male, female, non-binary, you know, gender fluid, whatever they right. choose to, to be at that time. Right. And it may change. They may come back the next week and have another gender reveal party because <laughs> the, the beauty about gender is that it can be fluid. And for many young people, it is fluid. Do you find this is I'm thinking about in terms of, you know, the guidelines from mainstream media, even thinking about social media platforms, do you, do you see yourself or have you run into challenges there with the content? Because you're trying to do something that maybe isn't as mainstream right now as it should be. And I think those platforms tend to be fairly binary in terms of the way they look yeah. at things. I, I think there's your, a lot of, I mean, just this morning, the Today Show did a whole segment on gender fluidity. And it was, you know, between the eight and nine o'clock hour or something like it's pretty, pretty prevalent. Now it's like, I think becoming mainstream because of adults having young kids who are coming back and teaching them about this language. I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. I think you're going to start to see more of it. You more non-binary characters showing up and transgender characters showing up in television and in mainstream media. I think it's just, it's, we're very, very far away from it, but it's moving very fast. It's moving faster than any one of us could even imagine how quickly this generation is. Who, by the way, Gen Z, I love statistics, is a third of the population. And next year will be 40% of the spending power in this country and around the world. So there is a force to be to be reckoned with. And they have expectations that companies stand up for issues that they believe in, which is gun regulation, women's rights, racial rights, you know, gay rights, earth appreciation. They they demand it and expect it. And if a company's not willing to step forward, they're not going to have this generation support. So there's be, hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. A lot of hope. I think the thing that I find best about this generation is uh, as um, other generations move on and this generation has more power when it comes to voting and spending, companies and elected officials are going to have to wake up and face the facts that we are moving forward. Although it feels sometimes like we hit a wall. This is only a permanent um, issue. It's going to be it's going to be rolled over really quickly. Up next, things get personal with Rob and what we learn about his father might surprise you. Hi, I'm Mark Rako. I'm one of the hosts of Funny People Talking. And the other host is Danielle Beckman. That's me. That, that's the other host. And our producer is Elsie. Say hi, Elsie. Hi. Okay, so you know how I know something's funny? When people laugh. <laughs> Every time they laugh, you know it's funny. So that's the key to knowing when funny people are talking. Because when you say something funny, people laugh. And you know what? On the show, funny people talking, people laugh. <laughs> Apparently more to me, Danielle, but you're still very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Check out Funny People Talking. It's a podcast on Mouth Media Network and wherever the best podcasts are found. And it comes out every Monday. I think you'll enjoy it. Me and, too. Yeah. You know what happens when you enjoy it? You laugh. So, Rob, in this segment, we want to get to know you. We've talked a lot about Fluid Project. Obviously, you are very instrumental um, in, in, in the brand as the uh, founder, CEO, marketing 
team investor, <laughs> investor, um, etc. Um, fit model. Uh, <laughs> I pick up trash. Yeah, exactly. Too, yep. So, uh, you know, you brought up something earlier, and would you recommend to any business leader that they do ayahuasca <laughs> to open up their brains and get into? Like something beyond the thoughts that they're thinking on a daily basis. First of all, do you know what ayahuasca is? Uh, vaguely. Vaguely. So uh, just I to... do. Do you know David, the empath? He's doing a pop-up and he leads some ayahuasca. Yeah. I know it makes you vomit. It does. It, it purges you. It pur- it purges, yeah. yeah. So it could come out in many places in your okay, body. Yeah, so <laughs> a, a large part, it's, it's through vomiting. And, and it, what it does is it taps into your subconscious. It opens up. A portal into a place that probably our, our minds are very, very complicated. They're smart. Our mind is is brilliant, and, and it can suppress things, uh, probably for whatever reason to keep pain from happening. But you know, is it for everybody? I don't think it's for everybody. I mean, do I think as a society be better if everybody did it? Hell yeah. I think I think we'd all be a more woken. You know, we tend to just go through lives of this this bunch of stories that we've created about ourselves and. And instead of just finding out who we really are, and sometimes the truth is scary and ayahuasca is hard as heck. Um, there are times when I was just like, I was just like, why am I doing this to myself? But the lessons I learned have made me um, a complete and whole person, although it's a journey, you know, it's it's an ongoing experience. So do I think, yeah, I mean, hell yeah, I, I think it would be great, but I, I think it's it's not for everyone. You have to really want to, to see the truth and the truth, it can sometimes be really scary. But instead of going out into the desert and obviously yeah. purging yourself of of whatever's in your body and mind, are there things that you take away from that experience that you use on a daily basis, like taking a step back, trying to look differently at things? Every day. You know, I think the thing that the, the thing that really helped me the most was when I was a kid, I was uh, very artistic and creative and I'd like to play with dolls and I drew and I was in theater and I was in junior high and I didn't really have any friends. Um, and I remember... I got a letter that said I was gonna. They they accepted me into the marching band in junior high or in high school. I said, "There's no way I'm gonna be a band geek in high school." Mm-hmm. So I literally manifested and created this new person. This this guy who is a, played football, hung out with cheerleaders, was gonna be a school politician. I knew all the things that a cool guy would be, and so I literally manifested and became that guy going to high school. I left that kid behind. And, um, I couldn't even therapy try to reconnect with this, this, uh, this kid. I couldn't do it. And it wasn't until I went in ayahuasca and I was in like a, a sitting naked on a rock in the middle of a, of a river that I just started to cry and I curled up into a ball and I became a 10 year old kid. I said, there you are. And for the first time I became a whole person. And part of fluid is honoring that kid is creating the space that this kid would have loved. And so that's part of this journey right now that I'm on. Wow. It's really powerful. It is. It is. We're obviously fascinated with ayahuasca. Yeah. I just had a friend who just did one, so I, I know a lot about it. Um, you mentioned something though that I think is also really interesting, and I, I, I'll pose it in this way, but you can talk about it any way you want. Um, you know where you grow up and how it influences you, and then ending up in in New York City. I, I grew up in the the woods. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about well, where you. I grew think up. what's interesting about. My story, my narrative is um, my dad was a Pittsburgh Steeler. So hmm. here wow. I was this like little Barbie playing kid with like, you know, dad was a Pittsburgh Steeler. And um, I, 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 my narrative I created as a little kid was protect yourself 
because your dad's going to disown you because you're gay and he's super masculine. And, and in a way that was, I thought that was always going to be the way things would play out that somehow I'd have to distance myself emotionally from my family because I'd be disowned. And that began the process from seven until, um, until I came out at 24. My parents are remarkable and they're accepting and loving and me and my husband and um, my whole family's been beyond supportive. So, but as I lived, I think between the age of seven and 25 of creating a separation of fear that um, I'd be disowned by my family. That was that was the the reality that I was living in for so long. When you say a Pittsburgh Steeler, somebody worked in the steel industry or something. No, no, he was a professional football player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I was yeah. like, you're really so uncannily <laughs> Sorry, who, tall and like who an your father? that it probably His, Tom Smith. He played in the mid '60s. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, that predates me, but I grew up oddly being a Pittsburgh too, but, Steelers fan, uh, yeah. even though I grew up in New York. Well, well I think in the 70s, they were the, uh, you were either, I mean, it was, it was the Cowboys, Cowboys and Steelers. Steelers. Exactly. And yeah. I went Steelers. Yeah. I so went, Terry I went uh, Patriots. Just because I, you remember those little, uh, <laughs> those little helmets, like, you know, they put them with a, yeah, with, yeah. a with a vibrating yeah, uh, yeah. football field. Yeah. And yeah, I like just like the, Patriot in the three-point stance. That must have killed your father. I definitely wasn't a Lions fan. No, but I just, I thought I liked the revolutionary. If you remember the back of comics, they always had the revolutionary oh, yeah. like guys. Yeah. And I love those. So I like, well, there's something I can at least associate with football that I like the Patriot in, you know, the guy from the Revolutionary War. So that was how I picked the Patriots. Really just no other reason than he had a cool hat on. Yeah, but I appreciate the fact that in the 70s, you could either love one. Well, I mean, you could love other teams, but I think you either went Cowboys or, or Steelers. Yeah. And usually people, I like the cheerleading outfits of the yeah, well, Cowboys. Yeah, thought, yeah. And my brothers liked them for different reasons. And I, I thought that, that they were really pretty with cool outfits. <laughs> I liked, in Charlie's Angels, I like Kate Jackson, you know, and Jacqueline <laughs> Smith. <laughs> It really like I, it took me a second. I'm like, does he mean an actual Steeler yeah. or like the reason why they're called the Pittsburgh Steelers? Meaning working there. So you grew up in Pittsburgh. Well, no. Uh, after um, when I was born, my, my dad had to get a real job, you know, and a real job wasn't being a professional football player back then. So he went to go work uh, in Detroit. So I grew up in Detroit. Wow. Grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Eight mile. Another another uh, not, town. Not far from eight mile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not far from Abel, just, um, yeah, I, I was a seven-mile kid. Good question, though. So uh, we definitely want to get some final thoughts from you. Mm -hmm. Anything that, you know, we missed out as we were talking about things, anything um, you want to get off your mind? Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that. I, you know, I haven't really told anyone this, but, you know, there's every day you wake up and you feel you're on the right journey, and then there's always self-doubt, like, what, what am I doing? You know, is this... Is this real or is this not real? Like, is that, am I making a difference or am I, is this, you know, like, you know, when, especially when you, you pitch it to so many investors and everyone says no, and I've got, you know, if everyone gets 60 no's, I've got my 60 no's in the bank. So, so now I can start getting some yeses, but you, know, you start to wonder like, why can't anyone else see this? Why is it just me that sees this? Why can't, and, and there's self doubt and, you know, questioning of how long, how much, you know, pressure you put on your relationship because of financial situations and everything else. It's, and then there's a moment when something happens and some customer like reaches out to me or mother of a transgender child or I'm like, I know I'm doing this, you know, and there's, there's bright moments every day when I can see them. Um, but it's, but it's, there's been dark days, you know, and then, but um, they're really bright spots. And, and I think that we're moving in the right direction now. I'm getting the signals that I want that this is, this is going to be uh, something much bigger than it is. Um, 
but it's but it's not easy sometimes. Yeah, I think that's probably the thing that I put up a front that everything's amazing all the time. And sometimes it's I, any, and I guess any entrepreneur is going to tell you the same thing. That it's not easy, that there are hard days and it's it's sometimes you just look for the signs you move in the right direction. Um, but that said, where I am today is feeling super optimistic and feeling like all signs are moving upward as opposed to uh, downward. Well, from my perspective, I have to say, I think what you're doing and and where you're going is on the right trajectory i think it's it's you're you're riding a wave maybe slightly ahead of a wave that's coming um that i'm excited about so someone um, mentioned that the, it's like an arrow and i'm at the very tip of the point of that arrow and the arrow is moving forward it's just sometimes you know you just don't have all that momentum behind got to get you, the wood behind it you got to get the wood behind it so i'm looking for the wood yeah it's coming it's coming Rob, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do it uh, other than walking into the store? Yeah, and you can you walk into the store and say, where's Rob? You know, I'll, <laughs> is it social media? Is uh, there some way of connecting with you? I think the best way to get a hold of me is either walk into the store, which is at Great Jones on Broadway, 684 Broadway in NoHo, New York City. Uh, you can do that, and I'm there most every day of the week. And then uh, the other way is probably to reach out through our website, which is info at thefluidproject.com. I answer every single email or someone from my team will. And uh, I love getting feedback and any insight and any interest in possibly investing or or just learning more about how to, how to spread love. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank this has so been much. great. A great conversation. Uh, thank you, Rebecca. Thank, thank you, Rebecca. you. Yeah, fascinating. Thank you for sharing. Thank you both. It was really nice. Enjoy, enjoy spending time with you. Thanks, Rob. Good questions. I'm Chris Hansen uh, from Ignition One. Thank you for joining us today and look forward to speaking again. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.